0: Hello and welcome to She Founded, the podcast where we celebrate and highlight the stories of successful female founders and investors. As a society, we often talk about the underrepresentation of women in leadership roles, particularly in entrepreneurship. This podcast aims to change the narrative by showcasing the achievements of women who have not only broken through the glass ceiling but are thriving in their respective fields. Through insightful conversations with this trailblazing woman, we hope to inspire and empower our listeners who are aspiring to start their own businesses or invest in women-led startups. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy.
1: So I remember I got the notification. I was, you know, it was late at night because they are based on in central time that I'm on the East Coast. Um, so it was after work hours and I got the email that said I was I was accepted and I was like I texted um, my partner and I texted my parents. And I was like, it's all happening. Like I got into an accelerator. Other people believe in what I'm doing. So it really felt like a pivotal moment for, for you know, no pun intended, accelerating my business.
0: everyone and welcome to She Founded, the podcast where we speak with inspiring women who have founded their own companies. I'm your host Maria and in today's episode we're talking with Carly Joes, the founder of Top Shelf Trends. Top Shelf Trends is a second-hand peer-to-peer marketplace for petite women to connect and exchange clothing that actually fits. Top Shelf strives to create a community where women empower each other to look and feel their best while living their best lives. In this episode, we will be discussing Carly's background and the experiences that inspired her to create Top Shelf Trends, as well as her approach to building a sustainable and inclusive brand. Carly, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Maria. Excited to be here.
0: So, Carly, can you tell us a bit about your background and what led you to start Top Shelf Trends?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, my background is I spent about three years in the corporate wellness space. Um, working for a big brand, which was called Weight Watchers, some of you might have heard of, um, and then actually transitioned to working for a smaller startup called LearnLux, which is really my first exposure to working and being behind the scenes at a smaller company, at a venture-backed startup, um, and really loved you know, the excitement, the all-hands-on-deck approach of being at such a small company. Um, from there, I decided that I really wanted to have a lot more impact in the work that I was doing. So I took about a year off of work and went to the University of Vermont where I got my MBA with a focus in sustainable innovation so that I could pivot um, still in the business world, but to the world of clean technology and sustainability and feel like I was making my mark on the world. While I was there, we talked a lot about entrepreneurship and the role that innovation is going to play in creating a more sustainable world. Um, I think startups in general really are the future of the progress that we need to make in terms of reaching our aggressive climate goals. And I was also you know, very much introduced to this idea of the circular economy. It's something that I'd heard of before, but didn't necessarily know how to build a business model around or what that entailed. But I was introduced to a lot of amazing innovators, you know, venture capitalists who are super focused on that space. So come about a year later, I am looking to start my own company in this space. Um, And I'm currently, you know, working within a startup accelerator. So I get to see that firsthand while getting to start my own business as well.
0: Carly, thank you for sharing that. It really seems like your background in sustainable innovation and working with startups is really helping you build top shelf trends from the ground up. And for uh, listeners who might not be familiar with a circular economy, a circular economy basically is a system that aims to minimize waste and resource use by keeping materials in use for as long as possible through practices such as recycling, repurposing, and reducing waste. Uh, it's an alternative to the traditional linear economy of take, make, dispose, which results in significant waste and environmental damage. Um, Businesses such as uh, Top Shelf Trends and other secondhand marketplaces are the examples of circular economy. So Coralie, would you be able to tell us more about Top Shelf Trends and your vision for the company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Top Shelf Trends, I think you put it perfectly at the beginning. We are a digital peer-to-peer secondhand clothing marketplace specifically for petite women. So that's women who are five foot four and under. Which you probably can't tell over the microphone, but I am a whopping five foot one and have been since I was 10. So I have a lot of experience being the target customer. And a big pain point that I've experienced is not being able to find a wide variety of clothing that actually fits me, especially in certain sectors such as, you know, formal wear when going shopping for dresses for weddings or workwear, if it's casual day-to-day things, you know, I can usually make do. But for those special occasions, it's been really hard to find something, especially something affordable. I think that was a big struggle I had when I was in school getting my MBA is I was self-funding my education, but I was also in my mid-20s and had a ton of weddings to go to and no budget to pay for dresses. So I would, you know, buy the cheapest dress I could find. It would obviously be too long. And so then I'd call up a bunch of, you know, laundromats, dry cleaners, and ask them how much it would cost for alteration. Mm -hmm. And it was usually the same price as the dress. So um, that was not attainable for me at the time. And I figured there'd be a lot of other women in the the world who faced similar problems. So that was kind of the inspiration behind top shelf trends. Um, And then a big other area of focus for us is that secondhand marketplaces today, like Up or Poshmark, And I want to preface this by saying that I am a huge proponent of both of those companies. I've been a longtime customer. I love secondhand. I love thrifting. But a big problem I face is that when I go on their websites, I can't tell how the clothing is actually going to fit me. So that's another big focal point of Top Shelf Trends is making sure because we're catering to such a unique body type, making sure that our customers can see what those garments are going to look like before they even buy them. So we encourage our sellers to be the models and show what they look like in their garments, share their measurements. We have a body body positivity pledge so that everyone feels comfortable sharing that and empowering went out know, to, to our mission, empowering everyone to look and feel their best while living their best lives.
0: Yeah, Carly, I totally relate to you. You know, as a five foot four woman myself, um, I get how it can be tricky to find clothes that fit well. You know especially like formal dresses or professional attire especially in the secondhand marketplace it's it's pretty hard um so you mentioned that your background is in sustainability right and uh, how are you building your brand with sustainability in mind
1: yeah that's a great question um i think i'm building my business with sustainability in mind at every single touch point so At the core of the business, it's around secondhand clothing, which is inherently sustainable and building a circular fashion economy. But it doesn't stop there. Um, Some things that I'm thinking about are packaging. You know, I think that's something that bothers me whenever I do make um, a purchase from an online um, retailer is all of the packaging that my clothes come in. Um, So looking at things like biodegradable or compostable packaging that can be used for shipping clothing from peer to peer. Um, I'm looking at things like, you know, buying carbon offsets to, you know, offset the the emissions related to shipping. And I know carbon offsets are, are far from perfect, but shipping is also a little bit unavoidable. So thinking about how we can really mitigate that. I also think that by helping women see what clothing will look like on a similar body type before buying it will help eliminate turbulence. Um, I think, you know, and that's taking away one leg of the shipping and return process is the sent-back process. Um, so those are a few things that I'm thinking about. I'd also yeah. love to, once my business starts growing and accelerating, I'm considering filing for B Corp certification for that ability piece and just always thinking about how we can incorporate more sustainable attributes, but more social justice and governance factors. Um, into our business model as we grow, too.
0: Yeah, you know, I really appreciate your emphasis on sustainability. And I think that so many of your users will appreciate it, too, um, especially since it's in your mission. And, you know, since you mentioned your business model, would you be able to tell us more about it? And how is your business going to make revenue? Yes,
1: absolutely. So accessibility is really important for us, I think, because I founded this company out of, you know, not having an affordable solution to my problem we want to make it super accessible to our target market um so we are charging a small markup on top of the you know desired sellers those sellers desired press with a garment so let's say you want to sell a dress that you were to have formal on top shelf trends you want to sell it for 40 dollars. we would charge a 12 and percent markup on that to help cover our administrative costs on the back end. Um, so that's what we're we're starting with. Again, we want to listen to the market um and see, you know, what resonates with people, especially if people are using this on a very consistent basis. How can we eliminate those costs while still making sure that we're able to operate and maintain a really great platform on the other side? So I think right now we're just looking to make sure we can sustain ourselves, but um as with any business, we're we're flexible and open to helping make sure our customers can can thrive.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's, you know, the fine line between you need to make the platform affordable to appeal to many customers, but also you need to keep the business running, you know, and you need revenue for that. Um, so this is incredible work you have done so far in, in figuring the business model out. And I'm wondering, how big is the team behind Top Shelf Trends?
1: Right now, I am the only person working on this. Um, I'm also working on it part-time while I have a full-time 9-to-5 job. So always looking for support. I think when I started my company and started just promoting it through my own social media channels and talking about it with friends, I was getting a lot of great feedback and, and people asking how they could be involved. I am a big believer in paying people for their work. So I haven't hired anyone yet because I can't do that. Um, even interns, you know, a lot of people have told me to hire interns for, for free. And I think especially women who I think are the the people who would be best suited to working for my company right now deserve compensation. Um, so while I don't have anyone working on the company full-time or part-time yet, um, I do have an amazing customer advisory board where some of my closest friends and colleagues who are the target customer um and ask how they could be involved so we meet every other week to Mm -hmm. talk about the evolution of the product um and some of the the goals that we have for the future so that i know i'm always building with the customer in mind and have a great group of women that i can tap into once i am beta hire.
0: it's very impressive that you've built this company so far as a sole founder Uh, That that is just an incredible achievement. And uh, looking ahead, uh, what are some qualities that you look for in potential teammates?
1: Yes. So I think the number one quality that I'm looking for in a potential teammate is the roll up your sleeves and no task is too small attitude. Um, I think that is super important just from my own experience working at a startup and working with startups. You have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and, and get your hands dirty, which could mean, you know, packing envelopes on a Friday night while we, you know, sip some wine and and make sure that we're getting the business off the ground. But it could also be having these really high level strategic discussions about the long term vision of the company. Um, so the ability to do both, um, and a positive attitude, I think I mentioned before that we have a body positivity pledge. We want to make sure we have a very inclusive space. So Wanting to make sure that our environment is welcoming for women and female-identifying individuals, or anyone who is interested in women's fashion. Um, I think the core customer at the end of the day will probably be, you know, petite women. I think, um, but we want to make sure that anyone who's interested in in being their customer is welcome, and that all of our staff members have that inclusive nature about themselves as well.
0: Yeah, I feel like it goes without saying that inclusivity is super important. Uh, for me, personally, when I'm building my team, I make sure that I have diverse people with different opinions, um, you know, to, to bring something new and creative to the company, especially it's super important when you're trying to build something innovative and new and different. Um, talking about that, uh, you've built top shelf trends so far alone, which is absolutely incredible. And, you know, you also have a full-time job and a personal life And I know it must be super hard to manage your time. So I'm just wondering, how are you going about managing and prioritizing your time and maintaining a healthy work-life balance?
1: That is a question I wish I had an answer to. (laughs) Um, I think especially when you're, you know, at the start of forming a business of your own, trying to navigate when do we quit my full-time job to work on my business full-time, it's really hard. To find that balance, especially because you never want to feel like you're slacking off at your full-time job that you're being actually paid to do. Um, and that's something I really stand by, especially because I'm working with entrepreneurs. You know, if I start to slack off at my job, then that impacts them. And I can definitely empathize with that. So I think something that I really lean on, it is taking at least one weekend day to fully relax, um, and step away from, you know, even just the screen. If I, you know, I'm feeling inspired and want to journal about something or write it down, but actually physically removing myself from the screen is is really important. Um, And then making sure I'm finding time to prioritize my health. Like I said, I worked in, in health and well-being for a few years, and I know how important it is to nourish your body and nourish your mind in order to do the best work, whether that's in relation to top shelf trends or it's in relation to, you know, maintaining my relationships outside of work, um, taking care of yourself is really, really the start of all of that.
0: Yeah. Having a work-life balance is so hard. I feel like I'm struggling so much with it myself. Um, but I'm very happy that you're able to have a healthy lifestyle, you know, while being so busy with all of the things that you're doing, you know, it's, it's also like super frustrating when things just don't go your way. Um, So this brings me to my next question. Uh, What has been the biggest challenge you've faced so far in starting your company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think as an early stage founder, you're constantly facing challenges. Um, The one that I'm facing right now is, you know, feeling like I have a, a really amazing idea that's been validated through talking with people who fit the customer profile, but then not necessarily knowing how to get those customers to actually sign it. I think especially in this space, there's a plethora of options when it comes to finding secondhand clothing and communicating the specific value prop of top shelf trends it is hard when you don't actually have, you know, sellers listing clothing yet or buyers leaving reviews. So coming over that kind of commercialization hurdle of acquiring customers is the biggest challenge that I've faced, I think, you know, because there's so many amazing tools out there. Building the actual MVP of the platform was an easy start um, and gave me a little bit of false confidence, but now it's the hard work of actually getting people to validate you even further by making them customers. So that's something I'm really focusing on and prioritizing right now. Um, And I think I'm entering this scary world of, of social media that I've always just used for, you know, personally sharing what I'm up to in life and never took too seriously, but realizing how important it is to, to build a brand um, and how to do that in a very curated way and building a brand voice and being consistent with your messaging and knowing how to tell your story are all things I'm kind of figuring out on the back of that. Fortunately, many female founders who have come before me have helped pave the way and there is a lot of resources out there that I've been able to rely on.
0: Yeah, you're right. I feel like acquiring customers is one of the biggest challenges like platform businesses have. Um, It's really hard to know, like, who do you start with, like buyers or sellers? You need to have both on the platform to attract any. Um, So Carly, now I was wondering, who are some female founders who really inspired you that you mentioned?
1: Yes, absolutely. There are so many. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I think one I mentioned already, Ty Haney, who is the founder of After Voices, um, she definitely inspired me. And, you know, she was not someone who was in the fashion space before either, um, which is very much like my own journey. So she, you know, her story encouraged me that I could do it. Um, another two founders actually are Carly and Danielle, who founded The Skin. Um, I've listened to their story a number of times and actually adopted a lot of their own early marketing tactics to to try to get Top Shelf Trends name out there as well. I remember listening to a podcast where they talked about printing uh, the skin on T-shirts and tote bags and wearing them around or passing them out and just that like a guerrilla marketing tactic to get their, their brand awareness out there um, helped inform some of my early marketing strategies too. So those are those are three founders that come to mind right away. Um, but I'm sure I could rattle off a list of a hundred different names. Um because there are so many incredible female founders who came before me and really, you know, led the path for, for success. So I don't think I would be doing this without them.
0: These are some amazing women founders you mentioned, and uh, you know, I know Skim has a very inspiring success story. You know, it's it's crazy what they were able to achieve with their guerrilla marketing strategy, as you said. Um, so talking about strategies, uh, can you tell us more about Top Shelf Trends marketing strategy?
1: Yes, definitely. So I think it, it's kind of my social media strategy is, is kind of reflecting who I am as a person and who I think a lot of the core audience is, which is, you know, we have to be able to joke about the challenges that we face in life as, you know, Petite women. So, a lot of our content is super relatable, um, both educational in terms of here's the actual value that Top Shelf Trends will provide you with, but also you trying to build a community. I think that's the biggest asset uh, a brand can have at the end of the day is the community that it cultivates. So, uh, our social media strategy is really around telling stories about the challenges that we face, uh, recording, tiktok or instagram reels um about the challenges of trying to find a bridesmaid's dress which is something i am struggling with right now um because bridesmaid's dresses are expensive and they need a ton of alterations and why can't we all just resell them to each other once the weddings are over um or the challenges of trying to find jeans that are their right leg or the blazer that doesn't fit too too wide or too long Um, so just trying to make super relatable content through, you know, a voice that sounds like it could be a restaurant, um, is the approach that we're taking and trying to build our audience.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great marketing strategy to have. Like, uh, some of my favorite Instagram brand pages focus on being, you know, relatable and funny and it works. So that's really cool. Um, Carly, now can you tell us what has been your biggest success so far?
1: Yeah, our biggest success so far is that um, I was recently accepted into an idea stage accelerator program called, um, it's called the Future of Founders Startup Bootcamp. Um, this was really exciting for me having, you know, the experience of working at an accelerator. I know how valuable it can be to just, you know, not be so siloed in the work that you're doing. I think one of the biggest trends among founders is that it can be very lonely. Um, when you're so tunnel vision, working on your own startup. So for me, it was really important to be able to find community in in my venture and what I was working on. So I found startup bootcamp camp at the beginning of January, put together an application applied, um, and was accepted, which was really exciting and what I'm really excited about is that it's an opportunity for me to stay accountable in terms of actually dedicating time to my business um so again touching on your point or your question later around balancing work and like start out this makes sure that I continue to prioritize top shelf friends um when so many other things can pop up in work in your personal life I need that accountability to make sure that I'm still making progress. so um, that was really huge. And then the opportunity to make a ton of connections through that is really exciting as well.
0: That's so exciting. Uh, what was it like the moment you found out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I found out that I was accepted to the future founders started bootcamp, it felt like the validation that I was missing um that I wasn't because a lot of who I talked to up to that point were my friends and my family who were saying yes this is a great idea but you know I needed that unbiased third party to come in and say we also believe in what you're working on so I remember I got the notification I was you know it was late at night because they were based on in central time and I'm on the east coast um so it was after work hours and I got the email that said I was I was accepted and I was like I texted, um I partnered, I texted my parents. And I was like, it's all happening. Like, I got into an accelerator. Other people believe in what I'm doing. So it really felt like a pivotal moment for, for you know, no pun intended, accelerating my business.
0: Congratulations on getting into the accelerator. You know, that is so exciting for you and your business. Um, you know, one question that comes to mind thinking about accelerators is... Uh, have you thought about raising venture capital funding and what are your thoughts around that?
1: Yes, I have. Um, it's not something I'm quite ready for yet. I think, you know, having worked in the startup space, I know that there is such a thing as raising money too early. And I want to make sure that I am accountable to any investors that I bring on. But I absolutely would love to to raise um, either from venture capitalists or angel investors at some point within the next year. um, I think there's a lot of firms out there that in with the goals of my company and the, the greater mission that I'm trying to achieve and will provide the catalytic capital that can help take this to the next level.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the timing of investment is so important for an early stage startup. Like, You don't want to raise too much money too early. But, you know, if and when you do decide to seek VC funding, uh, what are some qualities or values you'll be looking for in a potential investor or a partner?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, something I've seen being on the other side of startups is that startups kind of have their choice of in investors, you know, and that's not to sound conceited. It's It's an amazing thing that there are so many different VC firms out there that want to support startups. And I think because of that, we have more opportunity now more than ever to align ourselves with the right, you know, partners, you know, yes, they're giving you funding at the end of the day, and that is critical, but really looking for someone who believes in the work that I'm doing, who, you know, has the sustainability mindset as well. Um, For me, that's a really important piece of Top Shelf Trends. I know it's focused on women and fashion and petites, but... It's also focused on the circular economy and making sure that we're not creating more waste by recycling the clothing that's already out in the marketplace. So finding funds um, or individuals who have that same, you know, value system in terms of sustainability is super important to me. And then hopefully also aligning or, or partnering with um, a fund that is led by strong women. I know there are a ton out there. Um, so I think that's also really important because these are, are, I think in order to understand the mission of top shelf trends, you need to have kind of walked a day in our shoes. Um, so that's something I'd be looking for as well.
0: Yeah. That's a really great strategy to have, like aligning yourself with woman led VC funds. Um, I think women investors are going to get the idea better. I think they'll be more aligned with your mission. So, um, you know, it's also worth mentioning that I'm actually planning on bringing some of them on this podcast as well to create a kind of like network between women founders and women investors. Um, so I'm very excited for that. Listeners, tune in in the future episodes. And Curly, uh finally, I'm curious, as a woman founder, have you faced any unique challenges or opportunities that you think are worth sharing with our listeners?
1: Yeah, you know... I will say I've been pretty fortunate in how my ideas and my presence has been received in the community that I've talked to about top shelf trends. In general, being a woman in business, there are so many challenges that I face, and I'll even distill that down to being a woman who's under five four in business. Is I am waiting for the day when I stop getting asked if I am the intern. <laughs> Um, I think that's a really big, big challenge. And also a reason that I started buying secondhand clothing in the first place was to curate a more professional wardrobe for myself. Um, when I was, you know, trying to establish myself as a professional. But, you know, banana republic suits are are several hundred dollars and not necessarily attainable, but secondhand fashion really made that attainable for me. Um, so I'm forever grateful for that. Um, but I think Being on the other side of it and had a talk with so many female founders, I know that my situation was pretty unique and I'm early too. So I'm sure that I will face a lot more challenges down the road. Um, But I listened to a podcast with Ty Haney, who is the founder of Outdoor Voices. Uh, They're an athleisure company um, that I absolutely love. And she talked about how when she was trying to raise capital for the first time, she was not taken seriously she was told to go find you know a male co-founder and that's something i've heard a lot is female founders especially female founders who are have some type of a technical background whether they're engineers or computer scientists trying to start companies are told to find a male co-founder that they can you know pitch with um and have talked to investors which it's 2023 and i can't believe that's a conversation that is still happening Um, So I'm sure that those conversations are all yet to come for me, but I also am inspired by all of the female founders that have come before me who've persevered through that and I think helped pave the way so that I don't face as much of a challenge and try to disturb my business.
0: Yeah, you know, that is absolutely ridiculous that someone would even say that, you know, find a male co-founder. Like, (laughs) it's just ridiculous. And, uh, you know... Just it just highlights the importance of supporting female founders and, you know, helping them succeed so they can finally break the stigma and, you know, prove everyone wrong. So, Carly, as a female founder yourself, you know, you you went through a lot in building your company. So do you have any advice you would like to share with uh, aspiring women entrepreneurs?
1: Yes, I would say, and this is advice I had to give myself, is... You, no matter what your background is, no matter, you know, what your experience has been, you can be a founder. You know, I was so intimidated when I had this idea for Top shop Trends because, you know, I took one HTML, like, web development class in my freshman year of college, and that's all of the coding I had to work off of, which, if you ask my software developer friends, they will say, that's not coding, that is web design, Um, and they're probably right, <laughs> but... That's the only really technical knowledge I had to work off of. And I think what you see is so many founders who are represented have more of a, you know, that software engineering background. They know how to just spit up a website and automate all of these processes, but don't let that mindset get in the way of you choosing your dreams and trying to, to start your company. Um, I read a ton of blogs trying to, you know, get over that imposter syndrome and tell myself that it's something I can actually do. And in fact, as long as you can leverage the tools that are out there, you know, like I used Wix to build my website, um, which when I only knew them before from like bill ads, (laughs) so really leveraging those tools and, and building what you're envisioning, it's easier than ever. And then once you do that, put it out in front of your customers see what they think, and then go from there. If enough people are on board with what you're doing, the rest will follow.
0: That is a great advice for all female founders. You know, just believe in yourself and keep doing what you're doing you just focus on making progress. Um, that's amazing. So Carly, last question. Where do you see Top Shelf Trends in five years? In five
1: years, we will have a team of you know not even I don't even want to say just incredible women incredible humans who are passionate about fashion um working to carry out our mission we will have really set the bar in terms of what it means to be a truly circular fashion company and we'll have evolved our business model enough to give women the right choices in terms of finding the clothes that they need, whether that's continuing to have the resale model or having some type of a rental service um, or even, you know, in-person meetups where people can meet and exchange clothing. So I don't exactly know what that'll look like five years from now, but I think what I said at the beginning of the podcast should carry through that I am looking to make petite fashion accessible. Um, it's a conversation. So my mom is, is 4'11", eleven, um, and it's a conversation we had the entire time I was growing up was, how we can never find the clothing that fits. So um, that's the problem that I'm trying to solve and, and ever that looks like, I will, you know, both listen to myself, listen to my mom because, you know, she's a swart, a swart woman um, and then listen to my customers in terms of what the new features should be. But at the end of the day, yeah. making sure that we're continuing to have an excellence mindset, setting the bar in terms of circular fashion and making people happy. I think if your business doesn't make people happy at the end of the day, then you're doing something wrong.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with being happy with what you're doing. And you have a great vision here. And I just know that with your determination and values, you will get so far with top shelf trends. So Carly, thank you so much for being here today. And before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners?
1: yeah so like i said we're looking for customers as well as people to just share feedback about what we're working on so so definitely check out our website which is topshelftrends.co no m just co it's topshelftrends.co um you can find us on instagram at top period shelf period trends um so top shelf friends with periods in the middle and then we're just straight i top shelf friends on TikTok. So um would hope that some folks might be inspired to to give us a follow but most of all i just want to hear if, if you think it's a good idea
0: thank you so much carly listeners please give carly a follow on instagram and tiktok and if you have any questions or feedback for top shelf trends or you are a petite woman who would like to use this platform please reach out to carly through her website Carly, again, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. And I am so excited to see where this company goes in the future. Thanks so much
1: for having me. This is great.
0: Thank you for tuning in to She Founded, the podcast where we celebrate and highlight the stories of successful female entrepreneurs and investors. Please share and subscribe to the podcast and the newsletter on the She Founded website to stay tuned for upcoming episodes with inspiring female founders and investors.